0: Bob Belshaw, Director of Business Development at Falcon Group, discusses the business benefits of tight-knit collaboration between finance and supply chain teams,
1: right now on the Agile Supply Chain Podcast. Bob, uh, welcome to uh, almost a new generation of our Thought Leader series uh, on supply chain and agile, and the agile supply chain credo that we've done. It's pretty exciting to have some of the finance community start to weigh in on this. Uh, You and I were joking before the time and we said, you know, um, supply chain is full of engineers and engineers are are classically petrified of finance. And so uh, that doesn't help because ultimately the reason we do supply chain uh, is to support the business growth model. So I'm Roddy. Um, We've known each other for many years. I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself uh, and then we will fire away and get going. Welcome, Bob.
0: Well, thank you, Ronnie. It's great to be here. Um, I'm Bob Belshaw. I, um, I'm a supply chain finance convert. Uh, recently uh, joined Falcon Group, a, a UK trading company that buys, holds, and sells inventory. Prior to that, I spent uh, 15 years at GE Capital and uh B&P Paribas um, providing finance solutions to the supply chain. And going way back, I, I was uh, uh, ran a little software consulting company in the supply chain, a lot of network design and optimization. So, I, I think I've got a real appreciation of some of the stuff Roddy and uh, team are, are looking to talk about bringing finance and supply chains together. That's awesome. And, and actually, I've
1: had Bob, I've had you in discussions and panels before, and I've really appreciated because, because of that inherent understanding of supply chain. I think I shared with you a note yesterday that someone yeah. said, "Well, you know, control towers—they're great because they show us events, and events show us where the inventory is. Therefore, finance must love control towers." Well, it's not quite that simple, right? And I mean, <laughs> as as we know, as the business is trying to pivot from. Supply driven, where finance and inventory and assets are absolutely critical. Uh, moving to demand driven, which is all about the growth model of the business. Anyway, so so Bob, just in terms of the agile supply chain credo, which you know you've had a look at, and we got lots of input from you know all over the industry, McKinsey's, Accenture's, and and all the you know all the cast of characters. What what really popped out at you as a, as a finance person? Uh, what popped out of the credo for you?
0: Well, I, you, you know, Roddy, the the credo in general and the principles really hit home as as a group. But, you know, I, I think it was the um, discussion on the resiliency and responsiveness. You, you know, it's it's the part of supply chains that um, I, I I think there's so much opportunity to do better and to um, connect across the board. So. You, you know that one um, struck me. I think as we've lived through this pandemic, it's it's become clear that y- you know a rigid view of finance can have some significant ramifications when the unpredictable happens. So you know, to me, that's that's where we've got to sort of understand what what our financial discipline does and what its impact is on both. Um, the service we provide and our ability to respond to, to crises. So,
1: so, and that's a really good point because, and again, you know, this is not about beating up ERP, but I think most companies have invested a lot of their IT strategy in putting in one big ERP system. Forget about who the vendor is, but it's a big ERP system. And v- an ERP vendors, and systems are great because they collect masses amount of data. They've got all the transactions, and at any point in time, you can push a button and theoretically get a cost or a or a plan or a you know a, a, a future looking perspective out of it. But it's not enough, and I and I think you know why I say and why I'm hearing more and more in the industry, ERP was sufficient at the time, because we had systems doing HR and procurement and finance and uh, and materials management and capacity planning and asset management, all spread out. We at least put them in one box, so we now have one view of that one box. But it's a very supply-driven box. It it works to the tune of you know forecasts that are that are coming in. So um, you know in the in the the sort of five stage maturity model pivoting from supply driven to demand driven, what what how does how does finance see that? How's finance responding to that? Because I think finance must be sitting saying. Oh my gosh! I've got all these assets, and I know how much they're worth, and how much inventory I've got, but I don't know this demand forecast accuracy at sixty percent. How the hell do I do finance with that? <laughs> I
0: I think um, I I think the point that that I really uh, took from the last thing you said, Roddy, is um, you, you know ERP is is sort of built to look within. And not connect. And when you think about the changes in supply chains, you, you know it is uh, so many manufacturers are not vertically integrated anymore, and and so their their dependency and their ability to respond is is dependent on you know hundreds of of their suppliers. And and so I think when you when you explore where finance is coming from, I, I think the record keeping is strong, but it's it's the understanding of uh, what needs to be done to change the responsiveness. You know, you know, if you look at the pharmaceutical industry, there's a ton of inventory in the industry. You, you know, um, the top 30 providers, it's probably you know, north of $115, $120 billion. But responsiveness is, is about having, um, uh, you, you know, the right inventory in the right place at the right time. And, and I think um, that's where the gap is for finance. You, you know, they're, they're saying, well, we've got a lot of inventory. Why aren't we responsive? Why, what, what's missing? Right.
1: And, and, you know, I think that's it's a really good
0: point, because at the end of the day,
1: disruptions happen. You know, we can't. I read a great paper from INSEAD, uh, IMD in Europe, and, and this professor said, you know, forget about this hype about we, we're living in the new norm nonsense. You know, the new norm is that there's going to be disruptions. There always has been disruptions and -hmm. there will be bigger disruptions go forward. We see them faster and we see the impact of them much faster. So forget about the fact that it's suddenly disruptions are on the scene. Now, your comment about resilience is exactly the point that is quite scary. And that is, if I'm a 300-day inventory pharmaceutical company, and something goes wrong at the wrong point in my network at the wrong point in time. That's 300 days worth of inventory is useless. I, first of all, got to find it. Second of all, I got to ship it. It might have an expiry date on its head. And yeah. so, you know, there's a really good chance that I don't get it to where it needs to be. And I think that's what you've seen. And and in a sense, you know, the the uh, the pandemic has not only uh, um, really put a constraint on the supply side, but it's also had a put a constraint on the on the demand side. I mean, you know, we're talking about vaccines doesn't equal vaccinations, and so mm-hmm. what's gonna what's gonna happen is we're gonna have this massive variability. On the, on the demand side, and we've got this massive variability potentially on the supply side, and somehow someone has to plan and manage the finance around this because, you know, the business doesn't stop working with finance. Finance is still the engine, the oil that makes the engine uh, turn around. So, I mean, what, what would you, I mean, if, if I said to you, what pressures do you think are on the finance community to do something different going forward. I mean, there's this old that old expression that says, "You want the same, you do the same. You want something different, you've got to do some things differently." <laughs> what is that differently for finance?
0: Well, I I, I think um, it's where we started our discussion today. It, it's that um, it, it's that innate knowledge of the business and and how the end to end supply chain responds. And I think. Um, the way you measure that and the way you impose your will as a finance organization on supply chain and procurement has to allow for that view, and and that's that um, isn't the it, it, you know the the model is typically how do we reduce inventory, how do we take cost out, and I think if you don't look in that end to end view and say how do how do we respond how do we compete with the best service how do we manage our business and that that may mean um you know different things to finance and i think finance has to has to make that understanding and come to really do that so they can they can guide with their um you you know their their targets you know if if we're trying to improve cash to cash, we're trying to you know reduce inventory. Is is that the right thing? Well, you, you know, it, it conceptually is you, you know when nothing's going wrong. But if you look at the variability of our supply chains, these are these are long supply chains. And if you introduce variability at any point, you've got to have a ability to respond. So um, I I think in the end. Um, finance has a huge impact with with the uh, the guidelines they set on on the on the organization's ability to generate revenue and and service their customers. So I think I think it's a little bit of a holistic view that 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 bridge has to get tighter and tighter. You
1: know, I think so. You we're at a, a brilliant point because just before the call, we were talking about. You know, in my engineering days, we did courses at university on, you know, how you speak to finance. And your point was, well, finance are actually learning how to speak to engineers. And I think that actually is quite a profound insight because it's much easier for, so for an engineer mired in the detail of engineering, everything's important. And the finance people are going to say, holy mackerel, I don't need all that stuff, right? It's, It's most of it's the wrong stuff anyway. Whereas finance knows what's really important to finance. And if finance can put supply chain in the language of finance to the engineers, you're probably going to have a much better resonance and a much better understanding of finance in the engineering community. And I mean, I think that's a profound comment, as simple as it may seem.
0: No, I, I you know, having spent the the last 15 years uh, in this um Sort of world of, of third party inventory and coming in and working with corporates, I, I found that um, finance is really interested in why they have the inventory, you know, and they're asking, you, you know, very logical questions. You, you know, we we keep trying to push the numbers down, but it seems like we have more inventory and our service isn't up. What? Why? What's wrong? you know what could we do differently and so they're asking different questions and and you know it's clear to me it depends on your that individual corporate supply chain it's um uh, type of products all sorts of things that enter into how this has to look and and finance can bring a lot to the party in those discussions where you know i i think to your point when you're, when you're looking at all these moving parts in an end-to-end global supply chain, it's very easy to just get buried in the details. But, you know, some different policy decisions can have, you know, I think a, a tremendous ramification on their ability to deliver.
1: And, you know, when you think about it, actually customer back to supply makes more sense to finance than supply to the patient, right? Because right. at the end of the day, to your exact point is, why is all this inventory scattered all over the supply chain? It doesn't make any sense. So let's cut it in half and, oh my gosh, we just you know, cut our uh, uh, on time and full to patients because we didn't realize that was a really critical part of the supply chain. So, so in actual fact, the whole credo that talks about patient-driven, everything is translated from the patient back. And if there is a disruptive event in the supply chain, figure out what the impact on the patient is. And and I right. think that that fits the finance model much better than simply looking at, you know, let's cut costs and let's cut inventory and let's cut assets, because you don't necessarily know how critical they are in the in the total picture. I mean that's a it's a it's it's so simple for for me as an engineer, it's almost stupid. But you <laughs> as a but for you as a finance person, you might say, well, this is not pretty exciting. This is just straightforward how, how finance operates. So, so as, we, um, you know, as we get to the end of this, I mean, I, I, one thing I'm going to ask you to do is if you had to come up with a stop and a start, so there's going to be a varied audience of people watching this interview and and some of them supply chain, some business leaders, et cetera. What would you start off by saying? Look, this is what you have to stop doing, and obviously the start is the converse. But maybe there's a start that you need to think differently about. What would those be, Bob? Wow, that's
0: that's Ronnie. That's a really interesting, um, provoking, uh, thought-provoking question. Uh, I, I I think I, I would say to finance, you, you need um, to to really stop setting um, arbitrary um, types of working capital metrics that you're going to measure. I think um, you you need to have your team help you make that leap into where the inventory, where the cost, where the responsiveness is. So I, I think rethinking that whole um, that, that whole model is, is really where I'd recommend, you know, there's, there's lots of things you can throw out, but when you, you start to understand where your supply chain's vulnerable, what you can do as a finance leader and, um, and some of it's a trade-off, you you know, I remember with, with a lot of supply chains when they first started going global, you, you know, um, they just didn't have enough safety stock, you know, and plants were being shut down because of the variability. And, you, you know, and then you nudge along and sort of tune something. But I, I think rethinking how they set those goals, because they're, they're answering to Wall Street and and what what the the market may want, but but ultimately you've got to be responding to the customer. And I think if you're responding to your customers, you're going to deliver the revenue and the cost at, at, at the right approach.
1: You know, that's that's again, that's a profound comment, as simple as it may be, and that is, you know, um, finance going to understand the supply chain with the engineers. With the supply chain leaders and find out where the critical parts are and then work back to your goals because you can come to much more meaningful goals if you do it that way than simply say, well, that looks like a lot of inventory, so let's cut it in half. Meanwhile, it's the most critical point in the supply chain, and you end up by destroying the the flow of the product through the supply chain that's a that's a really it's a simple point but i think it's a profound one and and i mean it it does mean that finance should sit in with supply chain strategy and understand what they're trying to do because this is not about thank you for your supply chain strategy. We'll now see where we can cut some costs out of it because I think that's what the engineers and the supply chain community think is going to happen.
0: So I think it's funny, funny, Roddy, if, if I can just jump on that one point, you know, the, the best in class providers that I've, um, uh, corporates out there have set up cross-functional teams doing, having those issues where many times the, CFO is leading the discussion and there's the, you know, head of procurement, supply chain are all part of it because clearly, you know, the the working capital is, is, so much of it is driven in the supply chain in in practice. But if they're setting policies and, and you know, we don't want inventory on our balance sheet. So we force the supplier to hold more inventory and our costs go up. You, you know, there's ramifications to these decisions, and they need to to be together on those types of topics. Because I think, to your point, that's it. It, it, it clears out what the organization's doing. It sets clear goals. Then um, that that you know meet everybody's needs. So,
1: so I, I again, I think that this is this is a profound discussion. So even though we've come up with three or four very simple points of view. I think what it points to is uh, the supply chain community has to reach out to finance Mm. and bring them into the discussion much, much earlier than what's been done before. Uh, And and I think it's going to get worse, because as we go into cell and gene therapy, where, you know, you're no longer making millions of tablets for millions of patients, you're making one very expensive, you know, cure for maybe 10 patients. And if you get the inventory story wrong, you know, the, the numbers are big. And, and, yeah. the, and the consequences can be can be quite serious. I mean, I think this is, Bob, this is exactly validated why I thought that we um, uh, we would get huge value, even if this is, um, you know, how to learn about your finance community step one, and maybe there's a five step <laughs> process here that we need to go through. But yeah. Bob, thank you very much. Is there anything that you'd like to, to say in closing? I mean, any thoughts that you'd like
0: to share? Well, you know, Roddy, thank you so much for being here. I, I I just like to to say that I think um, the view that that you are talking um, and that we hit on a lot today was was looking at that customer, and I think I think it's so to your point. It 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 is obvious, but it's it's so easy to take your eye off that ball. And having worked with a lot of finance, procurement um, groups together, you, you know, there's a lot to be gained. There's tons of opportunities. And as they work together, I think the opportunities to be more resilient, to be more flexible, to to provide outstanding service are all there and to have plans in place for various types of, of um, you know, pandemics and and disasters you know it's it's just a question of getting your arms around it and and understanding i'm soul sourcing i'm uh, you, you know that's a three thousand mile lake i've got inventory it's going to go obsolete you know those trade-offs should should all be on the table i think so i think these discussions it was fun to be part of it so i appreciate it